0: Hey, this is Kevin here, lead pastor at Thrive Church. I want to say thank you so much for joining us today online, listening to our message series. You'll get to hear today from one of our team teachers, one of our communicators. What we use is a communication team because we're one church in two locations. And so you'll get to hear from one of our campus pastors or other communicators here at Thrive Church. And you've joined us in a series called When Life Gives You, and you know, lemons, when life gives you lemons what do you do you make lemonades we're calling this series when life gives you and it's actually a series in the life of Joseph, and what we're doing is we're discovering different parts of Joseph's life because he went through such tough times. He went through a lot of pain, a lot of trials. God had given him a big dream as a young man, and throughout the years, it took a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, a lot of shaping to see God's dream come to pass in his life. And so what we want to do, we want you, whenever you're faced with a tough time, when you're faced with a painful season. When life gives you lemons, when life gives you hurt, when life gives you pain, when life gives you disappointment, what are you going to do? You're going to turn it into good because, listen, what the enemy has meant for evil in your life, God will use for good. And so at Thrive Church, we want you to grow during this series. Why? Because your growth matters to us. If you can, if you've not downloaded our app yet, make sure you download our app as well to stay um, in touch with the latest series. And if you have any questions, need anything, visit us online at thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Church, how we doing this morning? right, it's good to have you guys with us today and uh, we do this once a month. It's something called the Connect Gathering. So if you've not connected beyond just attending Thrive and not connected to being part of our community here, each month we do connect and you get to hang out with our staff. We do some fun games and things like that and it's in our cafe immediately following this worship experience. We even have, have child care available. Every obstacle you can imagine is taken care of. We even have food for you. We have snacks there as well. Because at the end of the day, one thing we all do, we all consume, and that's fine, right? It's okay to be a consumer. That's what we we should be doing that. But in the New Testament, you see a word called co-laborers, not consumers only. And so if you've never, you know, connected to Thrive beyond that, we would love for you to connect to Thrive on a serve team or a small group or find out how all that works. And I'll be leading that gathering today immediately following this worship experience. Well today you've joined us in week two of a series that you just saw called When Life Gives You Help Me Out. Lemons, Lemons, right? So uh, we're looking at the story of Joseph. His life when he was served up lemons, and when life gives you lemons, what do you do? You make lemonade out of it, and that's what he did as well. Uh, the funny thing is, that was my son on the video there, uh, There, so he, you know, it's funny watching him eat lemons. It's funny watching kids do that. However, it's not so funny in life when we're served up lemons, is it? It's not so funny when things come our way that we didn't expect, when uh, things hit us that we weren't hoping for. And we've been looking at Joseph last week, we'll look at him again this week in Turning your copy of God's Word to Genesis 39. Genesis 39. Uh, many of you know my past and history, some of you don't, but uh, growing up in high school, I really went astray. I didn't grow up in church, I, I wasn't in a quote unquote Christian family. And so whenever uh, I, I hit the college years, I went way off track. And one thing that happened to me, I was actually kicked out of a university. I was banned from that university not to come back again. I had multiple, uh, you know, busted with drugs several times, things of that nature. And I'm going to tell you what really scared me. What happened was my first time I got, I got busted, I didn't know what I was doing. I go to stand in front of the judge. I'd never been in trouble before. And I go there. I literally, you know, have purple hair at this point. I did have hair. Had it, you know, pulled back, you know, in a, in a ponytail. Had long hair at that point. Played in a high school grunge band. Grunge lovers represent. So, um, I did that. And I went to stand in front of the judge. And the judge said, son, uh, where's your attorney? And I said, I don't know. I was 19 years old. You know, 18 years old. Son, uh, where, where, where's your mom or dad? They're not here. He said, son, did you tell your dad yet? No. I haven't told dad yet, and my plan was not to tell dad. I was going to go just cry to that judge and throw myself at the mercy of the court like I saw in movies and hope it would turn out like the movies do. The judge told me, he said, I'm going to give you 90 days. He says, I, you need to go tell your family about this. This is pretty serious, he says, and you can, this could really affect your future. You need to go talk to your dad about it. And I'm going to tell you something. I didn't want to talk to my dad about it because my dad was not a lovey-dovey, huggy guy. Like, literally, it took my brother almost dying at 39 years old for my dad to tell him that he loved him. He just didn't do that. Like, he just didn't tell you how much he loved you and was proud of you. And so, I didn't want to go to him. I don't remember my dad at birthdays. I remember my mom at birthdays. I remember my dad and all. And in the good memories, I don't have a memory of my dad really just being there. I think he was playing golf or working. That's the two things he did. So I was scared to death to tell dad because I thought if he's not <laughs> at birthdays, this guy's going to kill me. He may take me out back behind the woodshed. If you're from the South, you know what that means. <laughs> that means he's going to carry me out back and he's going to beat me up. Like we're going to fight. He's like, hey, we're, we're just going to fight. And so I remember going to my dad and telling him what happened. And, you know, and when I told my dad that I was waiting for my dad to, to rail into me, to rip into me, tell me how horrible I am and all those things. My dad said, son, I'll, I'll take care of it. Let me make some phone calls. So we ended up you know, having to drive to Greenville, North Carolina, an hour and 45 minutes away to deal with this thing. And in the car, my dad never told me I was a horrible person. He never told me, I mean, I'm disappointed in you. I can't believe you'd do something like this. Um, my dad wasn't a Christian, and I wasn't a Christian. Growing up in a Christian family. Here's what he did tell me. He said, son, how dumb can you be to get caught? He's <laughs> like, I did way worse than never got caught. That was the, the, the pep talk my dad gave. But, but he stood beside me in court several times. And my dad never looked at me and said, yeah, man, you know what? You go deal this yourself. You're you're worthless. He never backed away. Matter of fact, he was closer to me in those times than birthdays and all the good times. And I want to tell you today something, a very important truth we have to learn as followers of Jesus is that many times we think our Heavenly Father is just like I thought about my dad. Many times we think, hey, God's with us at church service. God's with us at Bible studies with the, you know, small groups. God's with us at conferences and revivals. God's with us in the good times. But many times we feel the same way about our Heavenly Father that I felt about my earthly father. And can I tell you, if you feel that way, you're mistaken. Because your good God, your Heavenly Father wants to stand beside you in the worst times of your life, just as much as the best times of your life. He is not embarrassed of you. He's not disappointed in you. He's not given up on you. And when you look at the story of Joseph, If you see that truth about Joseph, because here's the big idea today, write this down. And here's what many of us deep down believe inside. It's hard to believe that God is with you when nothing's going right for you. It's hard to believe God is really with you when nothing's going right for you. Except in the story of Joseph we're looking at over and over and over and over again. And you'll see this today in our scriptures, in our 23 verses. You'll see this tagline, and the Lord was with him. But nothing was going right for him. But we keep saying, the writer telling us that the Lord was with him. And I want you to understand today as we look at this passage in Genesis. And understand about your life. As it is hard to believe sometimes God's really with you and nothing's going right for you. But can I tell you, he's just as much with you then. As when everything is going right for you. Now last week as we looked at, we looked at, all this series, we, we, we looked at Joseph's opening story. We met this young guy. He was the youngest of, of 12 brothers. And his brothers hated him because of the dream that God gave him. They hated him because he was a favorite of his uh, father Jacob. And they wanted to destroy him. So what they do is they devise a plan. Long story short, they sell him into slavery to go to Egypt. And his father thinks he's dead says so we left the story last week, shackled hand and foot, going to a place where he doesn 't know the customs he doesn 't know the language, and to you and i looking in, it looks like this guy 's story 's over. This is it, but the story 's just beginning don 't you look at your copy of god 's word in, in genesis thirty nine We'll start with verse 1 here. And it says this. It says, When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. And Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, what we're going to look at today is the Lord was really with Joseph. Couldn't he have him dodge all that? Does that mean God being with you, you kind of dodge trouble? You don't have to go through the trouble, but it says the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Verse 3 says that Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph giving him success in everything he did. And this pleased Potiphar. So he soon became, or soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. Things are going good right now, right? This is, this is good news. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for, for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and his livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. Watch this. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food he was going to eat. That's a good day when that's all you got to worry about in life is what I'm going to eat today. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me. That's how I picture her saying she demanded. And I love this here. In verse 8, I'm going to tell you something. If you want the definition of integrity, if you want the textbook look at integrity, this is what it is. In verse 8 says this But Joseph refused. Look, he told her. My master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. And this is it. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Can I tell you what integrity is? This is not even part of the message today. Integrity is what do you do if nobody would ever find out? Integrity is what do you do when no one's looking? D.L. Moody said integrity is who are you in the dark? And many of us want uh, somebody to give us a promotion or do this for us or do that. God uses integrity. And what you're going to see something about Joseph is, and we're going to look at this today, his integrity never changed despite the situation changing on him at every turn. So here's what he tells her. And then in verse 10, She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. Joseph! Um, But he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, Come on! Sleep with me. Sorry, that's my Potiphar's wife's voice. <laughs> I've now scarred you for life as you read this. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. The last time we looked at Joseph, the boy lost his coat. Remember his brothers ripped his coat from him? The boy's losing his coat again. This passage or this story could be called The Boy Who Couldn't Keep His Coat. Poor boy. <laughs> And so he ran away and it says this, verse 13, When she saw that he was holding his cloak and had fled, she called out to her servants. And soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came to my room to rape me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him the story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in here and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside leaving his cloak with me. Have you ever thought, have you had a bad day and you thought it can't get any worse than this? Have you ever verbalized that to yourself? Surely it can't get any worse than this. I don't even say that anymore. <laughs> because it does. And for Joseph... It could. Could it get any worse than being sold into slavery? Could, could, it, could it get any worse than this? Uh, yeah, actually it, it does. It gets even worse. And it says here, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and he could have killed him, do you guys understand this, but, but he didn't. I think Potiphar deep down inside side knew, knew, knew something about his wife. And, and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held and there he remained. And verse 21 is the kicker. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. God, couldn't you have been with me when Potiphar's wife framed me? Couldn't you have got me around that? Couldn't you have got me out of a legal dispute with her? Couldn't you have, I mean if you're really, really with me, should I have to go through this? It says here, and he showed him his faithful love. I love that there. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite um, with the prison warden. Verse 22 before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners. And over every that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. And watch this, the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. See, in in our American view of Christianity and faith, we believe that if God's with us, God's really for us, if our God answers prayers, then He can help us dodge the troubles of life as we talked about last week. If God was really, really, really with Joseph, why is he going through all this? Except that's the tagline you keep keep seeing. And deep down inside, Joseph believe this. And I'll show you why in a few minutes. But for many times us, we have a hard time believing God is really with us when nothing's going right for us. Because here's what you and I do. We judge the love and favor of God and the goodness of God and the closeness of God based on circumstances and things we see around us. And sometimes if things are going right, we're like, man, God is so good. I've not met somebody going through an extreme trial. Or oh, they're very very hard to find. I've never met somebody going through something that's just a tragedy and they say, man, but the Lord is so good. Usually we equate God being good with things being good. And we, we equate Uh, Maybe God's taking a break. I'm not sure what God's doing. You're always sure what God's doing. Let me tell you, you can always be sure. We said last week that God is always at work. And you and I have to believe that God is with us when nothing's going right for us. You have to believe that when your marriage is struggling. You're like, the one I'm in covenant with and I can't stand them can't get past this impasse. You have to believe it when your children are going haywire and you try to bring them to church and teach them everything and they're going crazy. Now I know your children don't, don't do that. Your children are perfect, right? But we believe if we do everything right, then it's going to turn out right. As I said before, that's not usually what happens. You have to believe God's with you when you get laid off. You have to believe God's with you when somebody lies about you and frames you and just like Joseph, it actually happened. You have to believe that and here's why. If you don't, you'll shipwreck your faith will shipwreck your faith. You literally will have your faith lodged somewhere where your faith is not working at all in your life. And maybe today you've come to Thrive Church and you've come back to church maybe for the first time in a long time because you were in a situation that was so bad it was hard to believe God was actually with you and you walked away from your faith because of that. You said, if God's really good why is this happening to me? If God's really, really supposed to answer prayer why is the opposite happening? And can I, can I tell you? It's because you and I secretly believe that how can God be with us if nothing's going right for us? And I want to tell you today that God is as much with you in the valley as he is on the mountaintop. And here's what you and I have to do. When you face a tough time like Joseph faced, when you go through those seasons of life, you're wondering, what is going on, God? Have you ever looked at me and asked, God, what is going on? When you face that, here's what you and I have to do. And if I could have a cup of coffee with you, if I could sit down with you and give you my best advice when you're going through a tough time, here it is. And you can write this down. Is this, stay faithful and consistent during adversity. Stay faithful and consistent during adversity. That's what Joseph did. We know that Joseph didn't pout and go into a little pity party. You know who attends your pity party? Your haters and Satan. Your haters love to see you in pity and Satan will show up with the cake and the ribbons and the presents. They us have, have a pity party. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, they all did that to you. But Joseph, he continues on. It's like he doesn't miss a beat. They throw him in prison. He's framed. And now this should be the end of the story because he just offended one of the highest ranking officials in all of Egypt. You don't get by that. <laughs> but then he just keeps on keeping on. He's faithful and he's consistent. And what happens? He gets, he gets promoted again. But what you and I do, if you're like me, here's what happens. Our faith goes with the roller coaster. Some of us have bipolar faith. We're, we're, We're really excited when things are good. We're like, man, God!" But we're really down when things are bad. And here's the key. I said last week about joy. We talked about joy last week. Remember that? And that we can have joy in any situation and during painful seasons. Here's the kicker. You can be just as joyful in the valley, if not more, as you are on the mountaintop. And your faith doesn't have to do like this. Your faith doesn't have to go up and down and up and down. How are you doing this week? Oh, it's just tough. Yeah. Uh. You can say, man, it's been a tough week. This week stunk. You know what? The Lord is good. And he's still working in my situation. I see, you can do that. And that's what, the ability we have as followers of Jesus. You can actually stop the rollercoaster of faith because here's what happens. And I see this time and time and time and time again as a pastor. And here's why faith gets shipwrecked the storms of life hit us and everything's turbulent and the ship's doing this, we start picking up our anchors and we drift off. We drift. And you wonder, how did I ever end up here by my faith? How, how did I ever end up this far away from where I was at? Because you took the anchors away. Life's tough. And so, so, so you take the anchor of biblical community up. Well, I don't have time for a small group this semester because so I'm really going through a tough time. Maybe that's when you need a small group. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going through a tough time. I just don't have time to serve. That's when you stay faithful and consistent. That's an anchor that keeps you anchored. Well, you know, I, yeah, I just haven't been to church in a while because I've been going through a tough time. And that's when you need to gather with the people of God and worship. There's something powerful about all the believers singing together saying, Lord, you are good. Because you know every one of you are facing something different in your life. And so let me encourage you. Let's take a note from Joseph. Stay faithful and consistent when you're going through troubles. Never doubt the presence of God because of the presence of a storm. Never doubt the presence of God in your life because of the presence of a storm. And many times we believe those two are to- man, I got a storm going on. Where is God in this? Can I tell you where God is with this? He's right with you. And He's just as much with you in the storm as He is when the clouds and the, and the skies open and everything's beautiful. Stay faithful and consistent during adversity. Take that note from Joseph. You keep having integrity. You keep serving God faithfully. You keep doing what you know to do and God will reward you in some way shape or form. So how do you do this. Pastor, how do I stay faithful and consistent? There's two things that you and I have to do. And this, these are things I apply to my life all the time. The first one is this. And write this in your notes. Operate by faith. To stay faithful, you've got to be full of faith. Do you get that? To stay faithful, you got to be full of faith. Operate by faith. That means you can't look at things with just your natural eyes. Because you if you're like me, you look at the circumstances and everything that's happening and you judge everything based on what you can see with your eyes. You know what Paul said? Paul said this in the scriptures. He said, you've got to live by faith, not by, help me out, sight. The just shall live by faith, not by sight, not by what you see. And many times we judge what God's doing based on what we see. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is the story of Elisha, who was like this miracle working Old Testament prophet, and he was something else. Powerful man of God. And one day he has this protege with him, he's mentoring, he's training. This guy's with him, and and they're sitting in their cabin, and everything's getting dark outside, and he looks, he says, Elisha, Master, Master, Elisha, Elisha, wake up. He says, We're surrounded by enemies getting ready to get killed. I just picture Elisha saying, we'll call him Joey. No offense if you're Joey. Joey, 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 Joey. No, we're not. Have you looked out the window, Elisha? Yeah. I know what's out there. But you have no clue what I see. And he prayed for this young servant boy to have his eyes opened. And this young boy, He says, God opened his eyes and he saw the angels of God ready to fight. He saw the angels there and he began to see the same thing that Elijah saw. And in our life, my prayer for you would be, God, open their eyes up. Because what they see is not really what's happening. God is working in that situation. He is at work and operate by faith. And you know what real faith is? Faith is not believing God to give you something. That's what we believe good, strong faith is. God, give me something. As I said before, the heavenly butler. God, God, give me. God, give me. Faith is it. And one of my favorite professors just retired this week. 37 years at Emmanuel College. The guy memorized the Old Testament in Hebrew, excellent you know, Bible professor, and he was slightly crazy too, Dr. Tony Moon craziest professor ever I'll never forget Dr. Moon saying and, and only he can do this wild white hair, his little short tie, and he says you people all believe faith is wanting to get something from God faith, 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 faith he says here's the Hebrew word, and he circles it he says, you know what that means, he says, huh, of course you don't you just started a seminary, he says <laughs> he said, faith, you know what faith is? he says, faith is trust that's what faith is. And I was sitting there, I was a little offended. I've always been taught faith is believing God to move mountains. Faith is believing the storms going to go away and you'll get everything you want. He said, it's trust. He said, you know what faith really is? You know what trust is? It's trusting God when everything's going wrong in life. And you have to have a deep trust, operate by faith in God, that He is good no matter what. As a matter of fact, here's what you and I have to believe, that God is up to His best when we're at our worst. I'm going to say that one more time because some of y'all were thinking about lunch. <laughs> you have to believe that God is up to his best when you are at your worst. That even if you don't get prayers answered and things don't turn out like you want them to, you can still operate by true faith, which is a deep trust in the goodness of God in your situation. And here's the second thing that you and I have to do to stay faithful and consistent during adversity. And here it is. I you write this down. Believe the truth over <laughs> believe the truth over the facts. If you're like me and a logical thinker, you look at the facts, you look, look at statistics, you assess the situation. And can I tell you, believe God's truth over the things that you see, the facts of life. One of my favorite uh, times of Jesus' life is this in Scripture it's when he let his best friend die. He let him die. He heard Lazarus was sick. This is Jesus who could heal anybody, intentionally holds off and lets his friend die. Now you and I know the story like, oh yeah, I remember that. (laughs) That's cool. Yeah, that's that's Jesus. But could you imagine if, if somebody had a cure for your loved one and you watched them die? Could you imagine that? I mean, Mary and Martha were heartbroken. And not only did he let him die, because he had raised him from the dead, but here's what Jesus intentionally did, and this is phenomenal. In the Jewish tradition, they believed after the third day. On that third day, the soul returned back to God, and resurrection could not happen. That's what they actually believed. And so Jesus waits until there's no hope in the situation. And you're thinking, well, he's Jesus. They didn't know. He shows up, and Mary and Martha are just upset. They're really, how could you let this happen? He says, oh, oh, oh girls, 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 I am the resurrection and the life. And they're like, no, no, I, I know that. I know one day we're all going to rise, we'll all get to heaven, and will be great. But right now, Lazarus, you let them die, and there's no hope. And Jesus keeps, keeps, he keeps giving them the truth, and they keep responding to Jesus with the facts. You don't know Jesus. Matter of fact, Martha gets to the point. She said, you don't understand, he stinketh. <laughs> Remember that King James? Like... Like, so did that. That's like you go work out and run with no deodorant on. That's like that onion stink. You know about that? I told my son the other day, you know, he he loves to get showers. And one morning he didn't want to get a shower with me. He says, I don't want to get a shower. I said, son, you stinketh. And he's like, what what stinketh? I was like, never mind. Just get in the shower, son. You stink. Right? You, You need a bath. You need to get clean. And Jesus let it get to that point. And all they could recite to Jesus with all the facts like he didn't know it. That's all that. And you know, when we get in those situations, we start reciting to God the facts. Well, God, you don't understand how bad it really is. You don't understand how far gone this person is. You don't understand how in trouble we are financially. And Jesus is saying, You've got to believe the truth over the facts. Because I am the truth, I am the resurrection, I am the life. And I want to encourage you to do that. Stop telling Facebook and Instagram and everybody about your facts. Start believing the truth. Stop telling God about all the facts and start believing the truth when you're going through a tough time. Matter of fact, my son the other day, he's been talking about the clouds and the sun, the S-U-N, the sun. And so um, he was just really, he was just like, couldn't figure it out, just puzzled. He's like, dad, dad, where did the sun go? So what do you mean? You know, we're just driving and we're talking. He says, I don't see the sun. Where'd it go? I said, Oh, I said, the sun's still there, it's just the clouds have covered it. And he couldn't figure, what do you mean the sun is still there? Yeah, 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 it's just clouds covering. So when I went home that evening, I actually showed him a piece of paper. And I showed him, I said, okay, here's you, and here's paper, and here's sun, and, and here's how that all works. And I said, and so the sun's always shining. The sun never, imagine like, the sun doesn't move. right? right? It's just always there. The earth. I tried to explain the whole earth rotating thing. That, yeah, okay, a little ahead there. So I just you know, digressed and went back to the whole cloud and suns and all that stuff. And I said, you know, it's still there. So the day he tells me, he says, dad, 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 he says, the sun's still there. The sun's still there. And I look up and say, yeah, buddy, the clouds are out. He says, yeah, but the sun, sun's still there. Can I tell you something about your life? The S-O-N? The sun is still there in your life. Yeah, there's clouds. But I can't see it, Kevin. Just trust me. God never changes. No matter how much cloud cover comes, the love of God, the faithfulness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, never changes. And I want you to understand that God is with you when nothing is going right for you. And He wants you to invite Him into your situation. And He wants you to see the same thing Joseph saw, His work in the worst situations of life. Let's pray this morning. God,